One of my first uh, meditation teachers, Rabbi David Cooper, I remember him saying that really the goal of practice, uh, or one goal of practice, is that we should be able to walk down Fifth Avenue in a place of quiet. That's quite striking, because Fifth Avenue is not a place of quiet. So what does it mean to be able to walk down Fifth Avenue in, in New York City in a noisy place like New York? And what that suggests to me is actually that our experience is not limited to what's happening to us. So if it's the case that my experience and any experience of life is the dictated by what's happening to me, then that means something is happening, right? It's loud, right? That's it, that's it. So apparently, there's another option. And that option is that minimum, that there's awareness, and there's freedom, which is not Inner spaciousness is what we're developing in our practice. We're opening to or awakening to. It's not like we're creating something out there. We're kind of waking up to it. The challenge to that is that we don't tend to focus on the space, right? It's like if you open the Torah, like you see, what do you see? Our words. And often beautifully written words. And what else is there? A lot of white. A lot of white space. The white fire. That area is written black that way as well. But we tend to just focus on the words, on the content. Let's do a little experiment. Almost all of you looking at the bubbles, right? Actually, only there were only two bubbles. The whole big room. We're only looking at the bubbles. Let's try again. (laughs) 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 And so let's look at the bubbles. Again, but let's not just look at the bubbles, let's actually look in between the bubbles and around the bubbles. And let's keep looking. Keep looking at the space. 
See what's inside the bubble. And that, I think, is that space of quiet, which is actually always here. We're just totally not tuned into it. In the same way that, right, there's like all of the radio waves are passing through right here, right now, but we don't hear them until we tune. Tune into one station, and there's quite a, a relevant and worthwhile evolutionary reason for that. Like, if we're living in a jungle or a savanna, then what's most important for us to pay attention to? Anything we can reflect on. And so, as soon as there's any new stimulus, we want to note it. Well, we will notice whether that stimulus is potentially or potentially helpful, but more important is what we reflect on. So we're constantly kind of scanning our environment for what's new, for what makes us safe. So say, lest something threatening enter our environment and we be caught unaware. And so that's the default state of the mind, constantly seeking new things, new things to be, to tune into. That which is already here, you know, or that which is neutral, that's not as much existential or survival relevant. That's why uh, we have like a desire for novelty, right? So let's say you, you read something and you learn something, and then you can learn something else, right? Which one do you think you're going to do to like do Chazara and go over the the old thing that you've already read, even if you don't remember it, or to get the new thing. Right? It's like, oh, well, oh, like I want the new thing. It's like I, I actually have no idea what I read, but I want I want the new thing. It's like this appetite. So it's that same mechanism. Now, unfortunately, what that means is that we miss out on some pretty wondrous dimensions of love. I'll share one, one of the uh, one of the most uh, perhaps one of the most famous uh, quotes from Tanakh from Sefer Malachim, the Book of Kings. Vayomer, tzev amadata b'har lifnei avayim. And he said, Go out and Stand on the mountain before the divine, before being. And behold, uh, the divine is 
passing and there is a, a, a great wind, a great and strong wind breaking mountains and shattering rocks before the divine. And the divine is not in the wind. And after the wind, noise. And the divine is not in the noise. And after the noise, fire. And the divine is not in the fire. And after the fire, or the call, the voice or the sound of, of a subtle stillness of a dhamma And so I think what that incredibly striking account is telling us is that we tend to look in the big things, right? We want like the big events, the powerful events. We, and we want that, right? We are like, who, which of us doesn't want like a a powerful spiritual experience and like the, the kind of like unitive or like expanded consciousness and the bliss and like all of that stuff that we call spiritual. So, and here it's saying actually it's in the most subtle. It's really in the most subtle. In which case, if we want to have that awareness and wakefulness of the divine, then we're being called on to attune, to attune to that subtlety. As Heschel says, to intone the secret string. It's a secret not because it's being like kept amongst certain people, but because it's subtle. And most of our lives we live in gross, not in subtle. And so the practice that I want to invite us to. Uh, Today is the practice of listening, and listening for the subtle, listening for the stillness, the subtle stillness, which is always in, uh, here in the background, just like that space between the bubbles or that white space, the white space the, on which the letters are written. And, uh, and you know, really listening is like such a central central dimension of Jewish spirituality, right? We uh, engage that in the Shema. That's what Shema means. Shema means hear. And so what if instead of just reciting the Shema, we actually practiced it? So like taking that time to actually really stop and listen. Or what if when we walk through a doorway, Instead of just kissing the mezuzah, if we even do that, we actually stopped just for a few moments, at least sometimes during the day, and to just practice listening to the subtle stillness. And there's a couple places that we can locate the subtle stillness. So if we're working in the uh, sensory range of hearing, and I'll remind you, as we've spoken before, of the very clear explications of this practice in Shinzen Yama's basic mindfulness teachings. So if we're working with hearing, we can hear noise outside. And we can, <coughs> bless you, we can hear noise inside, right? Which is usually, or we could call that mental talk, or we could call it what we tend to think of as our own voice or other people's voices. 
in her mind, or it might be a song which is stuck in her head. Uh, so that would be like what we might call, we might label here in. And if it's noise that we hear outside, we could call that here out. And then there's here rest. And that's what we're going to pay particular attention to today, here rest. So here rest is quiet. And quiet happens outside us in the spaces where there's not noise. And, ha and quiet also happens inside. It's the space between the mental talk, between the thoughts, and also around the thoughts. So in the same way, you can check out for a second, like as you hear my voice in the room right now, you can also pay attention that most of the space here is actually quiet. My voice isn't filling the whole room. Maybe you can kind of like tune into like the silence which is on the sides of the room. Can you do that? Like have a sense of that, like listening, like directing your listening over there, rather than to where the sounds come from. And so we can do the same thing inside our inside our heads. And so what I want you to do now is to close your eyes and to find your sitting position. Now you can say something inside your head. And when you say that, it doesn't matter what it is, the content here is not important. Notice the location of that content or of that word you're saying. Rather than noticing what you're saying, noticing where, where in your sense of space that content is. And wherever it is, it's fine. That's the space that we're going to be paying attention to. That space where mental talk takes place for you, or where you can drop it. And you can have a sense of your attention just at your ears. And to tune into that space. And if you do hear something, that's fine. Again, we're not trying to get rid of thoughts, you can try and relate to them. Teacher Stephanie Nash suggests, like they're in a, in a foreign language, just noticing the energy that's in the mental talk. And if you can, just letting it be in the silence, rather than getting caught up in what is it. Particularly paying attention to your breath. And it could be that there's a here rest in that mental talk. And then in that space, you just allow yourself to make a peacefulness. And there may be activations in other That's fine. Right now, we're just attuning to this particular. Here. 
But even if there is music talk, you can still notice that there is quiet around you. In order to help your contemplation or your focus stay in that place, I recommend every second or two saying to yourself, either to yourself in your own quiet room, here with me. And doing that just arrives at you in a particular tone Ideally, before you get distracted, you can find that quiet place that you can tune into.
consistent and economic labor really
even as you know the truth, knowing it's now outside of you, if you maintain your intention for what's happening inside, perhaps discovering that there can be quiet inside even as forcing the Listen, you will hear the loud thunder. Noticing these thoughts deeply. Stay relaxed for a little while. Let them go. And then stay
infinity moments also make me very loud and abruptly. So what I want you to do when you hear that is to pay attention to what happens inside. Notice the quiet. notice the tendency of the mind to be constantly seeking things to solve, to resolve, to find position. recognize that
information you draw and see what Easier to note that this is a curve. We can see if we can relax again around it rather than being far off in the lines. Relax and adjust the Listening as if for a very
not wanting to take ourselves too seriously, we might explore the quality behind this when we tiptoe with the children And you can notice how when you're hearing quiet, you can actually hear the quiet without needing to get rid of it. And if you stay anchored there, activation falls away. It comes and goes. Are you always You might also notice 
how your sense of self is different from the experience of body. How much of your identity is actually held and maintained in the whirlpool of thought. Again, not doing what the ego does, but perhaps by denying that the unconscious holds the power that says, you know, stop holding so much of that power. There may be a discomfort in the body. Pay attention to that discomfort. And so for this practice, you can just notice that and bring yourself back to focusing on your thought patterns, particularly the body
And after the Nibuna dancing,
in light of our experience or not practice, in which perhaps we begin to notice that there is quiet and then there is arising of thought which constitutes or creates the self. So the verse comes to mind from Sefer Dvarim, the book of Deuteronomy, and the clause, Anochi omed ben Hashem ovenechem. Moshe says, I stand between you, or rather, I stand between the divine and you. We have that insight even in the word for I in Hebrew, ani. Ani, Aleph, Nun, Yud, is of course the same letters as the word for Ein, for no thingness, Aleph, Yud, Nu. So it occurred to me recently that we're not trying to get rid of the self. We're not trying to get rid of any part of ourselves. God forbid. But what we are trying to do is see things as they are. So in a sense, to see through the self, or to see it for what it is, the arising of certain phenomena, or the continuation of a certain habitual momentum. And when we don't get sucked into that, when we don't become tight around it, when we stay loose and when we stay open to an ever fuller, deeper and more transparent uh, experience of, uh, of, of reality, of life, then we can start to open to Ayn, to no thingness. So that perhaps, and maybe we just see it in small ways in this practice where we have a moment of quiet or we notice that, that moment between the thought, and then oh, up comes the thought again, and I'm off to the races. And I see where those races lead. Probably I've run them before as well, right? But the more that we anchor, and the more that we train ourselves to bring into our attention and our awareness that open space and that quiet, the less caught we are in that habitual momentum. The more we can see it for what it is. And then if we want to relate to it as it's useful, or just let it flow. And learn to savor and enjoy the peacefulness of that quiet, which is so often here. It's here throughout the day. We just don't pay attention to it. So I'm curious to hear, and in the time we have remaining, if you have questions or if you have sharings or comments from your experience in that practice. Were you able to notice a few times that quiet and to be with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that it is, it's another way. Uh, and it's, it's 
no better or worse. It's just a different focus. Like if today we were working on forehand and like even running around the backhand for the forehand, so then that would be the new backhand. Um, and, and, and then we would be really focusing on the sound, and it could be the sound if it's mental talk, in which case we'd label it as here in. And then our practice would be just being with that sound. Again, not engaging the content, like for other times, uh, but just hearing it as sound. And if we can, uh, like really uh, fine tune our hearing, then we can hear the sound like as a phenomenon, like just as sound. We hear the hear mental talk as sound rather than thought. More clarity. Um, like uh, if we imagine listening to an orchestra, then like it could be just music, right? Or we could like we could start discerning like, oh, that's a violin, and that's a trumpet, and that's a saxophone, uh, and then even if we listen to uh, to just one of those, then we can hear like each note. Hear, like really experience the note um, rather than like it all comes in at once. So what usually happens with thought is like, oh, we relate to thought the same way we relate to external reality. But if we can uh, break it up to, or you know, if you're listening to like really loud music with like a strong bass, you can actually feel it in your body. Uh, so that's actually true of all sound waves, but usually our sensitivity isn't uh, refined enough to experience it as to actually experience it as sound. So what we can learn to do is to hear, and one way to do this is to like just take a word like a, a thought. If you hear like a sentence going through your head, and slow it down, like super slow, to almost like it, it loses its meaning, but you just hear it as sound. Would that be like a Oh, like just hear that sound. Oh, and then it can just be with the sound, and then the sound can just also become part of this kind of uh, river of life, which is just flowing through me as sensory phenomena, rather than something that I get caught up in. Uh, and likewise with the sound, it's it's sometimes easier with external sounds because. Yeah, so that's fine, that comes up. And so that is like a little bit of hearing, and that is fine as a noticer, and then you can just be with it and then do that rather than be more eager to just find the fact that it's there. I would stay with the hearing on that. Yeah, and it's fine, like if it's like a little bit of consciousness that gets stuck in the brain, like that's that beauty. And that could be like another dimension of practice if we're doing more inclusive practice, noticing the relationship between what's happening in hearing space and what's happening in feeling space. And it, this was a particularly uh, limited scope practice to just really learn to tune in and just stay with that.
was like one of the most like weird tasks because I'm in that moment, but during that I would have a thought and as I'm looking for the R, by the time I collect speed and grasp that I've already had a thought. Yeah. Oh, good question. Yeah. So it's like um, sometimes the kind of pace of uh, of phenomena is faster than you can keep pace with labels. So that's okay. You can just note note the rest. You don't have to label everything. You can note the rest and stay with that as much as you as much as you can. And it's also like sometimes we'll notice things but we won't just let them pass without labeling them. Especially if the here rest is still available to you. Okay. And, and if that's our focal point, we just want to stay with that. Okay, that makes sense because that's when I would have like a thought and then I would like come back to that so I can label my thoughts. Yeah. Right, so let, I'll stop you there and say actually the thoughts are sounds. Thoughts are basically made up of, of mental talk, which is hearing, and the brain processes that the same way it processes external sounds or hearing, and mental images, which is seeing. Like what we call thinking is basically those two. And so it's true that we're learning to relate to it differently as sound, which actually gives us a lot of freedom because then it's it becomes a phenomena rather than me, a phenomenon. Uh, and it's also true that um, that we're we are learning to attune to something which is subtler. That's why it's called a still small voice or a still subtle voice. And actually, it's quite a subtle phenomenon, or at least a phenomenon which we're not used to paying attention to. So that it's new. That's yes, <coughs> yeah, it is new. That's the point. And it, so it's like. You know, as with any new process, there's a kind of like discovering of, oh, how do I find that in my experience? It's actually quite here, and it's kind of like becoming aware of it. Were there some moments where you noticed quiet? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah, so that's that's uh, totally to be expected that that resistance. So that's like the way that the, the small self tries to maintain its identity. We don't need to fight that, but just recognize it. Um, and recognize that attraction as much in the group of us. And also, I want to uh, remind us or warn us against some sense of like a successful practice being like, oh, I was just resting in the in quiet lake the whole time and there were no ripples um, but rather you know the Lord one senior teacher say like if there were like a few moments like a few times where for a few seconds you could bring the qualities of concentration and sensory quality and equanimity and it's okay to practice you know, just start to you know, explore have a sense sense our way into Like if we just moved to a new neighborhood, like do you expect right away like to be able to navigate all of the streets like right off the bat, like it's your home? No, but if you stay, if you stay in that neighborhood and keep exploring those streets, then there's a kind of natural organic process by which you come to know. So the same is true as we explore the kind of landscape of our experience. And the more we explore, and the more we kind of explore different routes or practice going to that place, then the more that place becomes just a natural and accessible place for us to 